Welcome, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. This is Brother Jimmy Fortunato, and you're listening to a sermon from the Pilgrim Baptist Church in Tennessee. For more information about our church, please visit us on the web at pilgrimbaptist.church. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 15. We'll start off with this verse to kind of get ourselves grounded. But the Bible says... But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. A couple of things here. Like Brother Gary prayed, there's a way, if, if you rightly divide the word, then there's a way to wrongly divide the word. Look at verse number 15. The Bible says, How thou oughtest to behave thyself. So if there's a way to behave, there's a way to not behave, right? And then it says, which is the church of the living God. We serve a living God. He's alive. No other God, so-called God, little g God can say that. We have a living God. And the church is where you come to get truth. What's the church? It's the house of God. It's the church of the living God. It's the assembly of the believers. It's the gathering of the saints. It's the body of Christ. The pillar and ground of truth. People can't get truth from the news media. They can't get truth from the government schools. They can't get truth from the social club. They can't get truth from the boys club. They can't get truth anywhere but the church of the living God. It should be set up to be the pillar and the ground of truth. And I, God helping me, I'm going to do my best to reflect God's truth. We're going to speak today about women's role in the church or in the body of Christ when the, when the believers assemble together. And this is going to include, we're going to run some verses, see what God says about distinction. Distinction in roles, distinction in gender. And before we go into that, let's park on distinctions and let's get Acts chapter 5. Because when we talk about salvation, there is absolutely no distinction whatsoever. Acts chapter 5, verse number 14. Acts 5, verse number 14. And believers were the more added to the Lord multitudes both of men and women. In salvation, there is no distinction between men and between women. Everybody is added to the Lord. Doesn't matter if you're a man or you're a woman. You get saved, you're added to the Lord. Galatians chapter number 3. Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 24 Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster for ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Who is the all? All of those that put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ are now justified by faith. We're all in Christ. Verse number 27, for as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ, neither is there Jew nor Greek. It doesn't matter. 
what your nationality is. Not in Christ. There is absolutely no distinction. Bond nor free. Now look at this. There is neither male nor female. There is no distinction whatsoever between male and female in salvation. None at all. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. That's the end of verse 28. Let's go back to Acts because we're going to talk about some distinctions, but it's very important to lay out first, there is no distinction whatsoever in salvation and there is no distinction whatsoever in value. Acts chapter 6, verse number 1. We'll start reading there. And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look yet among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, but we give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. Here we see women, widows, are being neglected. And that body is not devaluing that concern. They're not going to let this negligence go on. They pray about it. Well, we can't leave studying the Word of God, but we have got to come up with a solution for this because this is a concern. They have great value. The women there, the widows there have great value. And so what are they going to do? They're going to pray about it. And what do they get? Honest men, full of the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. And they take care of these widows so that they're not neglected. There is no distinction in value. Women are of equal value in Christ and are of equal value in the church as much as men are. There's also no distinction whatsoever in the ability to serve. Look at Acts chapter 9. Every man, every woman can serve the Lord. Acts chapter 9, verse number 36. Now there was at, jo uh, now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. And it came to pass in those days, she was sick and died, whom when they had washed, they laid her in an upper chamber. And for as much as Lydia was nigh to Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men, desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. Then Peter arose and, with, and went with them. When he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber, and all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. 
Here we have in Acts 9, we have Tabitha full of good works. No distinction in, in, in this woman's ability to serve the Lord. The Lord has enabled all of us, whether we be a man or a woman, to serve Him. And we see that there is a remembrance there as well, showing the coats and the garments that she made. Let's go over to Romans. Romans chapter 16. We see another servant of the Lord. I, uh, Romans 16 verse 1, I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at Sancria. What do we have here? Phoebe, serving the Lord, where? The body of Christ that's meeting where? At Centria, a local church where she is serving. No distinction at all in the ability to serve. Men and women both can come and serve the Lord. And let's turn over to Acts. Well, let's stay in Acts 16. Let's go to verse 14. I seem to have lost that verse. I'm sorry about that. Let's move on to Acts chapter 18. All right, Acts 18. Look at this. We're going to get into now, men and women are given different assignments by the Lord. There's no distinction in their value. There's no distinction in, in, in their salvation. There's no distinction in their ability to serve the Lord. But God get, did give men and women different roles or different assignments. First, let's look at Acts chapter 18. Check this out. Acts 18, verse number 26. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. You have a husband and wife. You have Priscilla, a woman, who along with her husband now is taking Apollos aside. He's a good man. But he's got to be taught a few things. So what is this husband and wife team doing? Well, Priscilla, along with her husband, is now teaching Apollos the way of God more perfectly. Now, if you've done any type of public ministry, I'm, I'm taking a, a couple right now. They went, went somewhere to do one thing. The next thing you know, the Lord opened up a witness opportunity and there's a husband and a wife explaining to a man the way of God more perfectly. And what is that woman doing? That wife is teaching things from the Bible in a witnessing opportunity. Ladies, if you've been to Walmart, you know that there's somebody to talk to in an aisle. There's someone to give a gospel track to while your husband's over looking at tools or whatever it is. You can teach, especially when you are out witnessing. Let's go over to 1 Timothy chapter 2, though. And let's see what that says. I don't wake up in the morning and say, you know what, I can't wait to get to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. I just really... No, but it's part of the Bible and we want to be the pillar and ground of truth. So, let's tackle it. 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and the book of Titus are considered pastoral epistles. It's trying to help us understand how thou oughtest to behave thyself 
in the house of God. That is when the believers are assembling together to worship the Lord. Knock down the walls. Now we're outside in the open air. We're still a church because it's the body of Christ gathering together. It's the saints of the Lord being assembled with the purpose of we're going to worship the Lord now. So this is our context. And the Bible says, let the women learn in silence with all subjection. It doesn't say force the women. It doesn't say twist their arms. It doesn't say make them. It doesn't say suppress them. It simply says, let the women learn in silence, make the allowance with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. Not to usurp authority over the man. All right, first thing, we're talking about the believers gathering together to worship the Lord. God calls for male leadership. When my wife goes out, she's not under the authority of any other man. When your wife goes out, she's not under the authority of any man. But when the church is gathering, God wants, for worship, God wants male leadership to be the ones teaching. Now, Matthew chapter 8, you don't have to turn there, but verse number 9 says, For I am a man under authority having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go and he goeth, and to another come and he cometh, and to my servant do this and he doeth it. So it's a military example up here of there. everybody's in the military. All those that are in the military are considered military men. But there is a soldier that says, hey, you got to do this, you got to do that. There's authority structure and it works. I fly quite often throughout the year. Most of the time when I fly, there's a stewardess that says, sir, you need to sit here. No, sir, don't put your bag there. That, that, that wouldn't make sense at all, sir. You're sitting in this seat. Put it here. She is the one who is in authority. What do I do? Well, I'm a man. You can't hear, sir. No. She's the one who has the authority. And what do I do? I do what she says. When I go to the dentist and the hygienist, who's a female, says, sit down here. No, you can't tell me what to do. That would be so off that she would look at me like, well, go find somewhere else to get your teeth cleaned in. There's authority everywhere. The specific context we have in 1 Timothy has to do with the church. That is the body of Christ assembling together to worship the Lord. Now, 1 Timothy, uh, verse number 2, look what it says. Just back up a bit. Verse number 2 says, For kings and for all that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. That's the type of life we should all want to live. Colossians chapter 3. It's so good. Oh boy. All right, let's 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 start at verse number 10. And I put on the new man, 
which was renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, right? Circumcision nor uncircumcision. Barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free. But Christ is all and in all. I love that verse. Put on therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved. You in Christ, you're the elect of God. Bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long suffering. I'll say that again. Long suffering. That means you got to, I'm going to really give you some deep theological Go to the Greek and Hebrew exposition of this. It means suffering long. <laughs> Kids, you want to sign up for that one? Forbearing one another. That means me forbearing you, you forbearing me. Forgiving one another. That means I got to forgive you, you got to forgive me. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of per perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body. In Christ, do you know what we are? One body. And be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Now let's work backwards. We sing from a hymnal congregationally. If you have a song, or if you have a uh, if you have a psalm, or if you have a spiritual song that you would like to come up and sing, the Bible makes an allowance for that. Now, if you're going to choose one of the top 40 rock songs, that's not going to be spiritual because love is redefined. Um, all the Christian rock says him. Oh, we're going to worship him. Well, who's him? You never name who he is. But if you have a spiritual song or if you have a psalm and you want to, you, you, there's liberty to do that. All you need to do is just say, hey, I'm going to come sing. Okay. Uh, uh, right? We, we, we want to have that allowance. Now, let's back up. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. It says teaching and admonishing one another. How? How are we teaching each other? How are we admonishing each other in this verse? Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. We're singing with grace in our hearts. So we can't all stand up as the body of Christ and there be, I've got something in my heart against you, and you've got something in your heart against him, and he's got something in his heart against. What will we be doing? Singing, but with what in our heart? Probably malice. So we need to be careful of that. That ministers to my heart. That ministers to your heart. But when we get to First uh, Timothy, let's go back there. Let the women learn in silence with all subjection. Context of the church. Is the body of believers gathering together? God wants men to be able to step up and have male leadership. 
Now, it'd be a bit off. My wife just stood up and said, no, you're wrong. You see, we reserve that for the car ride home. We reserve that for the kitchen table once we... Because when, when, when I first started preaching, we would go home and she'd say, I don't know if that really comes across as well as you think it does. And you know what I did? I learned from that. That taught me something. Yeah, but I, th- I thought it made sense. No one, no one else did, honey. <laughs> no one else did. You shouldn't say it. Do what you want. You're going to do what you want anyway. Do what you want, but... Now, wives, you can relate to that. Your husbands do something in public, say something in public, and inside you're thinking, I'm, I'm a little embarrassed. I don't know why he did it that way. And then you go home and then you gently try to tell him how much he messed up. There's nothing wrong with that. Every preacher, matter of fact, every man runs stuff by his wife, doesn't he? He's not not the man of the house, but he wants to learn. He wants to get another perspective. So there's a time and a place. And God says in his word, let the women learn in silence with all subjection, but I suffer not a woman to teach nor to assert the authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. So what do we see? Adam was deceived, Genesis 3. Eve acknowledges this, Genesis 3. And so the women's susceptibility to deception is why God says women are not to have the leadership role over the men in the church. If you're more easily deceived, then that's more likely for you to deceive others. So this is one of the reasons why God says no women preachers. Joyce Meyer comes up, uh, Paula White comes up, and all these other women who try to want to make an allowance outside of God's word, they're out of line. Maybe they know more Bible than their husband. I doubt it, but they wouldn't be preaching. But it isn't a point of who knows more or less. God wants the male to step up to the plate so that the woman doesn't have to step up, be deceived, which now God doesn't want that. So he says, let the women learn in silence. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. First Corinthians chapter 14. Uh, First Corinthians 11, chapter, uh, chapter 11, verse 14. Okay, all right, so here we go. Uh, verse 11, uh, First Corinthians 11, chapter, uh, verse 14. Doth even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him? God makes a distinction here in men and women. And he says that 
It's kind of a shame if you have long hair. Now, I can't be one of these preachers that just goes real hard on haircuts because i, I got to be honest with you. When I was, well, let's just say I had long hair. I grew up in the, in the 70s and 80s, man. It was, that, was the, that was the world style. You follow the world's ways. You guess, guess where I learned that haircut from? MTV, VH1, all these rock and rollers. I didn't get that from reading the Bible. This has nothing at all to do with salvation. If a man has long hair and he trusts the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior, you know what? He got saved. You know where he's going? Heaven. Who cares how long his hair is? But when you get saved and you really want to start learning what the Bible says and you see that God says it's a shame for a man to have long hair. What do you got to do with that? You got to let God speak to your heart and figure out if you want to have long hair or if you want to have shorter hair. Well, how long is long? I, I, I don't know. I'm just reading the Bible. How short? Short. I don't know. I'm just reading what the Bible says. But there's a distinction there. Men and women. Now we get over to uh, verse 34. Of chapter 14. 1 Corinthians 14, verse number 34, look what it says. Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. So we need to be careful. Well, praise God, you know, I got saved and, and, and you know, my, I, I had long hair and I got my hair cut because it's a shame for a man to have long hair. Well, when we get to this chapter and verse, we have to use the equal argument and say, you know what? God says, ah, it's really a shame for a woman to speak in the church. Now, if one of the ladies stood up and started speaking right now and started teaching, God would say, that's a shame. That's a shame. So we have in the church, and I have to, I have to mention this because we're meeting in the church house, right? And if we go somewhere else, that might be another church house, but the church is the body of Christ. So when the saints are assembling together for worship, are we worshiping the Lord now? God wants the women to remain silent and he wants the men to do the teaching. Everybody okay? <laughs> All right, I'm trying. Okay. All right. Uh, verse number 33, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. That's what should be there. Peace, not confusion. And again, verse number 34. Does it say force your women to keep silent? No, it says let. Make the allowance for them to keep silent. God says it's not permitted unto to speak. They're commanded to be under obedience as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home. It's better. If you're... If you have a question, run it by your husband first. And then see what your husband says. 
That's what, that's what God says. Is the husband always going to give the right answer? It's not about the husband giving the right answer. It's about you as a woman, you as a lady saying, you know what? I want to get into the groove of trying to obey God and take out the part where, yeah, but he doesn't give good answers. I know it's hard, but give him a chance. Because what will happen is, you know what guys do? They take a task on and they mess it up. But then they do that task over and over again and they get better at it. So the more times, ladies, you can ask your husband something, he's going to mess up and he's going to get a little bit better. And he's going to get a little bit more better. And before you know it, you're going to have just a, a you're going to have a Charles Spurgeon on your hand. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, but you got to give him a chance. It makes the allowance for women to be silent. It gives the men, it forces the men, it puts the men in the position where they've got to step up and lead. So apparently, men and women have different roles. Apparently, God wants order. God wants organization. And there's a distinction in the body of Christ between roles between men and women. So two questions come up. Here's the two questions. Well, what about women giving testimonies? And then what about the Lord's Supper? So we have to answer that question. The best I know how, are the saints gathering for worship? You know, somebody calls the church, what's your worship hour? Well, we start at 10 till 12. No, 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 when's your, when's your worship hour? Well, you're asking me when our church service is, meaning the 11 o'clock service? Yeah, 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 I want to know that one. Well, we start, at t- we start worshiping the Lord at 10. Are we gathering and worshiping the Lord? In the Lord's Supper? We are. Is there teaching? Is there exhorting? Are the saints gathering for worship? Is it the same as this? Yes and no. No, this is, you're expounding from the Bible, you're teaching from the Bible, right? But it's still, we're gathering to worship the Lord. When we get together for the Lord's Supper, is it a different format? Yes. Is it a form of worship to the Lord? Yes. We're still gathering as the body of Christ to worship the Lord. So because it's falling under, yeah, look, the saints are gathering, coming to worship the Lord. Let the women learn in silence. It allows the men to step up and be able to lead. What about testimonies? I don't have a clear verse in the Bible that says you shouldn't smoke cigarettes. But I've got plenty plenty principles in the Bible that says it's probably not a good idea to have yourself addicted to that. Parents, we have a lot of rules. Like bedtime is at 7.30 or 7 o'clock if you really worn out. That isn't in the Bible. But we certainly have principles of children obeying their parents and all that, right? We know that. Well, if I just share a testimony, I'm not really teaching. Okay, fine. But now what does the body of Christ do when she starts teaching? Because now the preacher has to either A, not say anything, 
And then people are going to come to him and say, well, preacher, you just violated the Bible because women aren't supposed to teach. If I say something, uh, sorry, sister, you got to, the church right now, gather the saints, the work of the Lord, you got to, Bible says, you're supposed to remain silent. Now I just embarrass somebody's wife. Now I just embarrass somebody's daughter. And now afterwards, someone's going to complain, well, you just, yeah, I, know, I, I was kind of trying to follow the Bible and I, so rather than get into that situation, why don't we just step back and err on the side of a conservative stance and say, let's just let the women remain silent and let the men lead. Ladies have a testimony. Why can't it be shared with their husband? You have something that's on your heart or mind, you pass scripture, you have a hymn you want to sing. Why can't it be shared with your husband? Let him share it. You have a request for a hymn? Let me know. Let We'll do it. We'll do it. This isn't about... I'm not trying to make it into something that it's not. So what does that do? It keeps us on the safe side of the teaching issue. Brother Jimmy, I think you're wrong. Okay. But what if I'm not? And now, what if we open up the floor for testimonies for women... And one sister stands up and says, praise God, I was healed from my fever. Praise the Lord. All right, praise the Lord. And then another lady stands up after her and says, praise the Lord, I was healed from my sickness too. And you know what? You can be healed spiritually if you just trust the Lord. And now the next thing you know, she goes into teaching. So rather than risk that situation, why not just err on, let's just read it, leave it alone, and play the safe card. I believe it keeps us on the safe side of the teaching issue. Why do we have the 1 Corinthians verse in the Bible? Why do we have the 1 Timothy verse in the Bible? Well, we don't have this problem here, but... It does protect the church against women who want to do that type of thing. Their heart isn't how our hearts are knit together right now. Their heart is, I'm going to come in and wreak havoc on the church. So God says, uh, uh, you got to zip it. You got to zip it. Also, it's impossible almost to find a church in the United States that's masculine. It's almost nearly impossible. We want to be a church as closely as we can. Try to follow God's word as best we can. I already touched on this, but I'll say it again. God requires male leadership, and it also forces the man to step up and lead, to step up and do the job. Let's get three passages of Scripture. There are plenty, and then we'll be done. There are plenty of things that women can do and serve. Sister Caroline's going to need help Sunday school teaching. We have a uh, piano player. We have plenty of things to do with outreach, all kinds of stuff. Kids, women, women can teach. God's just making the distinction between teaching over men. Proverbs 22. 
We are just about done. Proverbs 22, verse 24. We're talking about having safe boundaries, not about restricting or putting people in a position where they're in bondage and they can't say or do anything. It's about boundaries. That's all that it is. The Bible says, make no friendship with an angry man and with a furious man thou shalt not go. So guys, you know, dads, moms, we raise our kids. What do we tell our daughters? You, look, here's the boundary. You've got to be aware of this. Don't make friendship with an angry man. Well, you're trying to control my life. Honey, I'm not trying to control your life. I love you. You know how many dads have had that talk with their daughters? I love you. I don't want you to... Fellas too. Get mixed up with a friend. It's it's not about trying to control their life. It's about trying to set up a boundary that's healthy. Two more. 2 Corinthians 6. Second Corinthians 6, verse number 14. Another thing. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. What fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? Same thing. Kids get to a certain age. The next thing you know, they're 14, 15, and they want to go hang out with the group of unbelievers that are up to no good. And what do we do? We give them this verse. You're trying to control my life. You're trying to make all this. I just feel like a slave here. I'm getting out of this house. I, I, I'm not. Son, I'm not trying to make you a slave. I'm not trying to keep you in bondage. I'm trying to set up boundaries for you so you don't get hurt. And how many times? Parents and grandparents and their kids or their grandkids get mixed up with an unbeliever and you're like, oh man, I wish they would have followed that boundary. And last verse, James 4. James 4, 4 says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. We all know this verse. We all can relate to this verse. We would all teach our children this verse. Not to put them in bondage. Not to tell them they can't do anything. Not to try to restrict them. But what? To set up a safety boundary so that they don't end up where we know that they're going to end up. That world system is taking them by the storm. So, in the context of the body of Christ assembling together for worship, we want to err on the side of safety. We want to err and play the safe card and just let the men be able to lead. All right, let's bow in prayer. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your word. Hope it did a good job expounding it. Hope it made sense. Hope it was practical. I ask you to work in our hearts, meditate upon these things this week. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks a bunch for listening. For more information about Pilgrim Baptist Church, be sure to visit us online at pilgrimbaptist.church where you can also send me a personal message or learn more about joining us for a church service. And remember, Christ is all.